trade efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 69, I'm joined by Rob Kelly, Senior Vice President at Forum Mobility, where we talk about his career, including his work with solar and at Tesla, and he shares what he finds interesting about freight movement. He also talks about the win-win-win of the move to clean transportation, how electric vehicles are performing in drayage applications, trucking as a service, and what needs to happen to move electric vehicle deployment along faster. Today we have joining us Rob Kelly. He's Senior Vice President at Forum Mobility, and it's a real pleasure to have you on today. And I think, uh, Rob, this is a real timely discussion as well, so um, we'll get into that. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Mike. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Excited about this is, uh, you know, this conversation because there's so much going on in, in the space that we're going to get into. Um, uh, but before we, we do, you know, we titled this podcast, you know, Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends, Rob. And it's great to call you a friend. Do you, do you remember sort of when we first met and uh, and how, uh, how our relationship started? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was my early days at Ampli Power as a co-founder there. And I think I tapped you on the shoulder at ACT Expo and was just inquisitive about NACFI, trying to wrap my arms around the opportunities that my new company Ampli had in our business model. And, you know, I've been following NACFI ever since. As a matter of fact, I'd even say it helped push me into my next job uh, at Forum Mobility was the education I got by following NACFI. You know, it's funny. I asked that question. I think we're up to like almost 70 podcasts. And, you know, it, it reminds me of, you know, when you when you go reserve a restaurant or something and it says, how did you find out about us? <laughs> did, you know, was it the Internet or did a friend or or, or whatever? And I think, uh, uh, you know, if I if I ever did go back and look, probably I met you at ACT Expo is one of the more common results of uh, of how these friendships started that are on my podcast. <laughs> so you had a really interesting career, you know. I was uh, going on the internet and stooping a little just to make sure I I, I knew um, more about you. But you know, yeah, you, you go back to Solar City and Tesla and Ampli and and now Forum. Man, I, I, tell us a little bit about that career and. You know what? Um, you know what got you so uh, you know passionate about um, this this particular area you're in now, or this this pathway? And um, yeah, maybe maybe bring up a few juicy moments from from your career, Rob. I mean, it's always good. Listeners always want to know those sort of things. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I always as a young mid twenties guy, you know, I worked in a lot of different areas solar uh before solar i was in software i was selling industrial controls and trying to find my way and then you know and then i was just really turned on to do something that had more meaning and solar made a whole lot of sense to me right a, uh, the the source of energy of the sun to be able to um bring economies of scale to solar and have it proliferate and and today it really does. And so that's what got me into Solar City. And Solar City was purchased by Tesla. And probably a lot of juicy moments within that 12 year span of all of that, uh, including, you know, Tesla not necessarily running a commercial solar company very well and being very focused on making cars as they should. So I, I found my way out of that world 
and into your world, into mobility as a co-founder of AmpliPower. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a mutual friend, Andrew Beebe, who uh, is a investor over at Obvious Ventures, um, introduced me to Vic, and I became Vic's first employee at AmpliPower and therefore a co-founder. And for the next uh, almost three years, kind of you know, built my Rolodex around your world to include going to things like Act Expo and understanding, you know, we were providing charging as a service. So engineer, procure, construct, own and operate charging depots, usually behind people's private gates, and then um, monetize all the subsidies and then um, sell back that energy to those electric vehicle fleets. Um, and I, you know, I really became attracted to of freight and goods movement. And I met the guys at Forum Energy Partners who have a long history like I do in renewable energy and were interested in using their skill set to help, you know, advance um, mobility and electrification of transportation. And so I was lucky enough to, to then, you know, help found this team. And um, the team is just full of you know, clean tech infrastructure veterans who, you know, in their DNA is building infrastructure. Um, it was solar and made, you know, hundreds of megawatts of solar panels in, in uh, big power plants. And now we're taking that understanding and doing that for form mobility to build the infrastructure and the charging depots of the future for freight and goods movement. You know, this solar stuff, I mean, I, we've, uh, you know, we're full-time RVers and we're about to put full solar on our second um, rig. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's come so far so fast in efficiency and durability and all that sort of thing. I was at a warehouse uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah, three megawatt of power up there. It's like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that a lot. Uh, it, 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 it is fun to see how it's progressed. Um, You know, I, I kind of grew up in, trucking with you know over 35 year career so freight and trucks i mean it's all kind of in some ways it's sort of all i know rob but what 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 like peel peel that back a little bit what about freight is interesting you, you called freight so interesting a couple minutes ago what is it for you yeah you know um obviously it's a massive market that i didn't understand very well until getting into mobility you know and now now I can spout off all the different phrases in freight that are so fun to say, like, if you bought it, then a trucker brought it, uh, those types of things. I heard a great one the other day, which is doctors deliver babies and truckers deliver everything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's really what makes the American economy hum is, uh, is trucking, you know, and so to now be a part of it, it's it's really exciting. Um, we it's been through some big changes over the years, and I, and I know that a lot of people in trucking are overwhelmed by said changes. Um, it's it's fun to bring a business model to this world that is really going to help the transition. And you know, I, you know as well as anybody, right, Mike? A lot of the guys in this world are kind of doing it, kicking and screaming because of the mandates. Not necessarily really thrilled to have to be doing this, but we know that we can, you know, both eliminate emissions and do it on a lower cost per mile. 
You know, this is a policy-driven, subsidy-driven marketplace, something that our team is very familiar with. And we can, you know, we know that we can offer charging and a truck, kind of truck as a service, as you're starting to hear people say. So we engineer, procure, construct the charging depot. We buy and own the truck. And then we can give them all of that at a competitive rate going out and buying a brand new diesel truck and having to buy, you know, $5 diesel fuel. Um, and that to me is, you know, really exciting. We're at this pivotal point right now. And, and, you know, we're proud to embrace this work that could be a win, win, win for everybody involved, cleaner air, um, doing the right thing by the truckers. Uh, it's going to help with uh, trucker retention, being able to be in, earn more money, have less stress, uh, have healthier drivers, not having to breathe poor air, not to mention the communities that surround these goods movement corridors who suffer from more asthma and more cancer. Um, so yeah, all of that is super exciting to me as I think you can hear in my voice. And, and we get to pull up this front row seat as the trucking industry is going through so many changes between the mandates and AB5 and how COVID changed the way we purchase goods. And uh, I feel really fortunate to now be a part of, I guess, your your world, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the freight and trucking industry oftentimes lo are looked at as, you know, slow to change and, and this, that, and the other. But I find it more of a like a modesty problem than it is a um, you know like a like a, a change problem. And what I mean by that is I, you know the industry's been through a, a ton. You know with NOx and particulate matter emissions is one of them uh, where you know it you know seventy by twenty ten you know you needed seventy trucks to have the emissions of just ten years earlier of, of a single truck. So. You know, we're 70 times cleaner in diesel trucks, not the NOx in particular matter. And of course, now we're working on greenhouse gas and ultimately getting to zero with these electric trucks. Um, so, I, you know, I think we've already been through a lot, but we just don't talk about it and we don't we don't sense it. So I, I think uh, now, you know, we both need to talk about it and because these transformations with zero emission and then even uh, ultimately autonomy and other and other things, um, and even some of the ones you mentioned around labor and so forth. Um, I think the industry's figuring out how to how to change, and um, it is exciting times. And then companies and people like yourselves coming into it uh, to to help us do that, um, you know, is is really what's needed. Uh, yeah. So um, I hear you have an announcement, or you've you've uh, uh, got some things that you're you're talking about publicly now at Farm Mobility. Walk us through um, the latest. Yeah, we have. That's why your first reference early on is that you caught me at a good time. Um, a busy couple months, and obviously some of the stuff's been brewing much longer than that. But uh, in December last month, we had a ribbon cutting for our first customer. Um, Rudy Diaz, the owner and CEO of a small logistics company in Long Beach called Height Logistics, um, you know, trusted us to implement our business model at his yard. He had not run uh, EVs before, but we bought uh, three uh, BYD trucks, one uh, Kenworth and one Volvo. The, the first four I mentioned are working today in his yard, moving freight from the port of Long Beach and the port of LA to the Inland Empire. 
and then we'll have a fifth truck, a Volvo, delivered in May. Um, they're all charging off of 120kW TELUS chargers, and so that, that was huge. Having your first customer is massive, um, and it's really exciting to see that I have all these BCOs now contacting me and really asking, like, the beneficial cargo owners, the Walmarts and Amazons, the IKEAs of the world is, you know, is this a real option today? Can we move freight with zero emissions? And, and I'm excited to be able to say yes and, and introduce them to Rudy and some of my uh, customers that are, are budding soon. And then we have another really big announcement. Um, we raised our Series A with CBRE Investment Management and Homecoming Capital. Um, and then all of the follow-on folks that gave us our series seed also participated, which is always, a, you know, a, a good sign that they wanted to continue on this path with us. And so we raised $15 million to help grow this business, hire some more really smart people, and get our word out there to, to be able to um, build these depots and buy more trucks. But the more important part, is we were able to create a $400 million joint venture with CBRE and, and Homecoming Capital. Um, so we're able to draw from that, find sites, uh, install chargers, and build these kind of charging depots of the future or fueling stations of the future um, gives us a huge runway. Although $400 million, to be honest with you, is a drop in the bucket compared to what we need to do with our utility partners and building this infrastructure. It's a really good head start. So we are, um, with those funds, we're out there developing sites that support the San Pedro Bay ports, so Long Beach and LA, and the goods movement corridors out to the Inland Empire, um, as well as in Northern California, so the Port of Oakland, um, along where we see our goods move uh, up, up in the North Bay, which is you know, out to call it Livermore, Tracy, Stockton, French Camp, Manteca areas. And so that's where you'll be seeing our depots pop up and we'll be able to do both the truck as a service, buying um, the truck on somebody's behalf and uh, fueling it and maintaining it for them where they get a monthly rate. But also I find that a lot of my customers want to continue to own that truck asset. And so those people can continue down that path, own the EV themselves, the electric truck themselves, but just subscribe to my charging networks. Yeah, that was kind of where I was going. So for, first of all, um, you're focused on, uh, you know, um, international intermodal or uh, going to the, to the seaports, right? And then into the, uh, into the uh, uh, transfer locations uh, or the warehouses. Um, so, so for instance, Long Beach to the Inland Empire. Um, how how do those uh, electric trucks with the range they have today perform in that duty cycle compared to diesels? Uh, you know, we've had a little bit of insight to it, but do they make one trip to the port, two trips to the port? I mean, how are you uh, rationalizing um, what comes with the electric truck now compared to operations when you do that total cost of ownership analysis? Yeah, understanding this drainage market, I, I really do have to credit NACB and RMI and others that have helped me understand that, yeah, there's this whole world of heavy-duty trucking that travels between less than 200 miles every day, just grabbing containers or cans, as they call them, from the ports and moving them to the different DCs 
located nearby. And it's honestly, some of these guys just go in between, um, you know, Compton or Carson and the port. It's a, it's a very short distance. And then others go farther out, you know, call it the Inland Empire, or Rialto or areas. But all of those are well within the duty cycle of the trucks that are being made today. You know, most of the early trucks, 100, 150 miles. Um, and then, you know, the next generation that's coming out right now for, uh, you know, Volvo has an extended range. BYD has an extended range. Nikola has a tremendous range on their truck. And they're looking at, you know, those 250 miles to 300 miles in one state of charge. So it's, it's low-hanging fruit. NACBI helped me understand that. This is, these trucks are available today. They can run the duty cycle of drayage. And um, they're perfectly capable of performing what is already being done today by combustion engine trucks. So right. you know, that's, that's how we focused on that that marketplace. Yeah, and it's also with the ports. It's an area to uh, your comment earlier about communities that the trucks travel through. I mean, those are those are areas that are uh, you know quite frankly. I mean, the, I used to always joke that uh, drayage is where over the road trucks went to die. You know, they were all in the 10 to 20 to 30 years old, and uh, but they had, you know, old emissions and so forth. So, you know, you're also targeting a market that's um, embracing, you know, uh, the zero emission for a lot of good reasons um, around, you know, um, emissions at the ports and on the on the routes to and from. Uh, a little bit ago, you also brought up what I really wanted to ask you about, probably the top question I wanted to ask you about. So uh, you tell me if it's a tough one or not. But the um, the fact is, you know, with trucking as a service or, or putting in sort of this um, full, you know, in the leasing business, you know, kind of a full lease where they're providing the truck, they're providing the driver, they're providing maintenance and fuel. And you, you're kind of offering that here. You know, for many of your customers, though, that's their business, Rob. I mean, you're, you're kind of taking over their entire business. So you mentioned, um, you know, customers uh, wanting to own the truck. Um, or maybe making some of those maintenance decisions, maybe driver decisions. Do you view this as early on in these electric trucks that the full trucking for a service is so important to get going? And then as as a fleet matures in this work, uh, they might shed some of those away from you, like uh, owning the truck. Is that, does that logic make sense? Because that's how I kind of see, see it, but I'm not sure I'm right. Yeah, I hear you. You know, we are absolutely not competing with that marketplace i i do not put a driver in the truck um that's not our world i don't um you know take orders from bcos and grab cans on their behalf and bring them to dcs we leave that to our logistics partners and, and customers to do that part it's not too dissimilar if you really think about it mike if somebody going for an all-in lease on you know any cascadia um outside of that we are including the fuel in this case electricity um it's very similar to that uh, you know a conventional method where you don't want to take the maintenance and you and you want to pay a lease payment is is not too dissimilar from what i'm offering i just think that you know we're a bunch of energy professionals and it's difficult i mean you've talked to people right they it, they've had a really difficult time um, communicating their needs to the utility, being able to buy the right charger that meets their needs and duty cycles of their vehicles, understanding how to keep this early equipment operational with, you know, five nines of uptime. That, that's 
That's not what the logistics folks want to do. Their world is already too complicated. So all we're really doing is helping them transition into that world by taking that complication away and, you know, being able to put our hands on all the different subsidies, whether it's uh, working through the utility subsidy, getting HBIP on their behalf, um, being able to monetize the LCFS, boiling that all down into a fixed rate. We really just see ourselves as helping the logistics world transition into these electric trucks um, and not by any means competing with them. I do not, you're not going to see me with a brokerage board on my website. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, I, 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 no, I think it's really important in and in an aspect, uh, you know, we do talk to a lot of fleets that are trying to do, uh, you know, most, if not all of this on their own, because they've kind of done that before. And, um, and I, I think you're, I think you're really, really, um, onto something here. So you own the uh, facility. How how hard is it to find real estate to um to you know close enough because last thing you should be doing with a limited range vehicle is you know traveling out of route. So how's the whole real estate play into this? Yeah, we have an awesome development team who's doing a really good job of kind of overlaying different maps and understandings of goods movement corridors and the corresponding energy that's available along those corridors so that we build a network of purpose-built charging depots. Because the other thing we're not is ChargePoint or Electrify America, right? We're building purpose-built depots for these Class 8 trucks. They have different turning radiuses. They need different ingress and egress. And working with the utility partner, um, it, it's, it's not easy. You're, you're correct. Uh, it, we're, we're, the utility is going to need a more streamlined process in order to build faster. The one thing that's missing, the trucks are becoming available, the charging depots are not. And charging depots specifically built for these Class 8 trucks are not. So, um, yeah, you won't find me, you know, at LAX, you won't find me in an area where you don't also see a Class 8 truck pulling a container. That's where you'll find our depots. But we need some help. We need some help from our utilities. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you know what else we need? We need the BPOs to stand up and tell their logistics partners that they are looking for zero emissions goods movement, that they want this. Um, I, I still hear a lot of my logistics friends going, you know, I don't know. They haven't asked me for it yet. So I'm trying to go out there and buy my, my last 20 combustion engine trucks until till my BCO asks me um, because they're trying to meet their sustainability goals. Yeah, and we're seeing the next phase start to happen where they ask them, but then when they find out, you know, what it's going to cost and what the um, limitations or maybe limitations are all, what kind of constraints on the operations become, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not ready for that. So, you know, it, it, this is a this is a change and, and, and really going to use the T word. I mean, this is a transformation. This isn't just, uh, you know, drop in these vehicles to the current uh, operations and, and make them successful. Um, I got to believe these depots, you know, you brought up turning radiuses and all this. I mean, that these are these are bigger square foot low facilities or places than a lot of people think about just because of the of the size of these vehicles, turning radiuses, places you're going to need some parking, um, um, on and on. Um, 
So yeah, yeah, big challenges. But um, will, will, will there be public charging at your facilities, or will these be more um, kind of closed to your customers? Yeah, so I won't be building these behind a customer's gate. They will be uh, properties that form mobility, either lease owns, but controls. So they they are public facing. It's always kind of a funny question for me to answer because people say, you know, are they public? And a lot of funds are pushed towards ones that are being made public. But, you know, somebody in the logistics world can't treat this like Chevron and just pull up and wait for a charger to be ready. So, so yes, they're public, meaning any logistics company can sign up with me. Any, any carrier can sign up with me, but they do have to sign up. I have to know they're coming, right? I'm going to sell out my, my charging stalls way before they actually get turned on, right? It's because people will subscribe and they'll want to own that parking spot so they can charge their truck. We still, it still takes a couple hours to charge a truck. So you don't just show up and see if the pump is ready. You need to have subscribed to form mobility. Um, and we, we do that through, if it's just charging as a service, we do it for a 36 month minimum contract. And then if it's a full truck as a service, uh, a 60 month contract. So it's, it's public facing, anybody can do it, but you gotta sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that, thanks for those time frames. That's kind of helpful. And Rob, we always run out of time really quickly. And uh, we've got a final question for you about, you know, what, what do you want others to do? Uh, and what do you think needs to happen um, to move this faster than, than we're currently on. You mentioned earlier the, um, you know, what we call shippers or the, you know, the, the uh, people with the freight to, to sort of step out and demand, you know, sustainable or zero emission movement of their goods as being one. Um, but what, what are some other things that maybe there's somebody on this call that can go make something happen um, that, that you need? So what comes to mind there? Yeah, I kind of touched on it a moment ago in that, you know, for this, the scale and speed that we need for this monumental transition to move, just in California alone, there's upwards of 30,000 trucks running drayage. It's a tremendous amount of trucks to move over to the grid. So our utility partners really need to revise their interconnection and distribution system upgrade process. It's just too hard and too slow right now. And the, the regulators need to do a good job of opening up those floodgates to allow um, the IOUs in California to invest more quickly in the infrastructure we're gonna need to transition these vehicles over to electricity. And then the second, I, you know, I think I touched on as well is I, I do get to talk to the Walmarts, Amazons, Ikeas, Nikes of the world. Um, but I really want them to stand up and tell their uh, carrier partners that they want this. Uh, the, the truth is, I, I heard you say that, you know, they end up finding out how expensive it is. Um, it is. For somebody who doesn't understand the market, it, it is expensive. And, and the administration and the time consuming, and you're talking about a logistics company trying to put this all together. But when done right, in a model like Forum Mobility, with people who have a resume of developing massive infrastructure like this, like my entire team does, and that knows how to work within a subsidized market, the answer is we can do it today more efficiently and less expensive than if they want to go out and buy a 2023 combustion engine class eight truck and start putting the fuel 
uh, diesel in that truck. I can compete with that literally all day. And all of these guys have the routes that stay within 200 miles of the uh, each day that can that these trucks can easily perform. Thanks a lot, Rob. I mean, this is uh, you, you're helping to simplify what's complex, um, but you know definitely help you know roll, get that snowball rolling where we can um, you know really make this a difference so thanks for being on appreciate your insights and good luck to the whole team there at Farm mobility always a good time talking to you mike and look forward to seeing at the many events as we uh, push this industry forward freight efficiency with knack mike rosen friends